It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here for a middle-of-the-week podcast. I'm here by myself, which you guys know exactly what that means. When I podcast by myself, that means I run through the Twitter comments we have had over the previous week here, and I get to some of the comments you guys have had about the shows that we've rolled over the last week. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, you can find me at Kane Pittman on Twitter. Also, uh, have some words over at ESPNNNBA.com as well, but most importantly, I'm the host of this podcast every single day, uh, not always by myself. Frank Madden is the longtime host of this podcast. He'll be with us uh, when he can, when he can, the offseason a little bit less then during the season, he's the founder of brewhoop.com. Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network host is with us and a string of guests we have along the way. So uh, we always have some fun on this podcast, but these ones are maybe the ones that I'm beginning to enjoy the most because I say this all the time, particularly through the off season, you guys run the show. You tell me what you want me to talk about and we go from there. So Kind of a, a strange day for NBA news, and it does feel a little bit strange talking about basketball with everything else going on in the US. Uh, clearly, if you didn't pick up on it, I am in Australia here, but there was a little bit of a news dump through the day, and they tried to kind of snuck this in there uh, among all the election stuff that is going on right now. Uh, the continued debate between a potential December 22 start or a January 18 start has continued. Sham Sharania uh, reporting that this decision will be made later this week, potentially as early as Thursday. Yesterday, of course, on the show, we spoke about the fact that uh, they are running out of time. If you want to have a training camp that starts on December 1, uh, you are less than a month away. You have to start to get things rolling here, particularly with the draft uh, coming up here. So I'll read out a few of these dates in just a second, as well as that on today's show, uh, we are going to talk about uh, the potential draft coverage, we've got to have that coming. We know the draft on November 18, we'll get to that. A bunch of other listening questions. I've got some numbers around the Bucks shooting in the regular season through to the playoffs. Uh, Old Resorter, a guy that always gives us great content on the podcast, sent through a tweet that got me to look at the numbers a little bit closer here, and we will roll from there. So as far as the December 22 start, uh, Shams has outlined... Uh, some of the features of what that schedule would look like. December 1, of course, the start of training camp, as we already know. Uh, the interesting thing is three to four preseason games. Now, 
of course, I, I did expect that they were going to have to have some kind of play. And we know they had a three-game uh, exhibition, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, warm-up, scrimmage, whatever you want to call them, before the bubble return. And it would be certainly a tough ask to uh, get these teams to roll straight into the regular season. But the preseason has been reduced over the previous couple of years here. And I think the importance of a preseason this year with the coronavirus and everything else that is going on is probably going to be diminished even further. So I am a little bit surprised that they would try and potentially squeeze four preseason games in uh, after training camp on December 1 and before uh, season tip-off on December 22. Uh, That is certainly a compressed schedule there. 72-game regular season, as we have already reported. 14 back-to-back games per team. Now, of course, if we think back to the lockout season uh, about a decade ago now, uh, there was back-to-back-to-back games, and that was when the schedule started on Christmas Day. Now, we will get to some of the playoff dates here, but they're going to stretch it out a little bit. Uh, 25% reduction in travel, so we've already spoke about the potential for in-division, potential baseball-type series where you may play a team two or three times in a week span. Regular season would end on May 16, so around a month later than usual. Uh, The play-in tournament, they want to continue with that. Uh, Seeds 7 through 10 in the East and the West would uh, begin shortly after that. The first round of the playoffs to begin on May 22nd, and the finals to finish around July 22. Again, certainly the Olympics playing a part in that, uh, as we've spoke about on the show and for the listeners that are just tuning in for the first time. I'm not 100% sure how many of their players would want to actually go straight from this season, particularly if you've had a shorter off-season. And I'm thinking about a guy like LeBron James that has been reported to have been saying, well, I don't want to come back and play on December 22. So can I see LeBron James going straight to the Olympics? Probably not. Uh, We know there was a groundswell of support through the players from Team USA in particular that wanted to go to the Olympics in 2020 and avenge the really poor result from Team USA at the FIBA World Cup Uh, Last year in 2019, I think that things have changed now, but we will wait and see. The idea for the NBA would be to allow NBA players to play in the Olympics and also avoid that uh, television ratings clash. As far as what we know, the league would not be interested in having a break for the Olympics and then coming back, which certainly makes sense, particularly if it is around that playoff time. Uh, January 18th start, training camp would start on December 28th, so they would get through the Christmas period, have a three-week training camp. Again, three to four preseason games, 60-game regular season, uh, 12 back-to-backs down from 14. Uh, All-star break, they would have a six-day All-star break beginning on April 9. You know, whether or not there's an All-star game next year, I think it seems highly unlikely, even though they probably will still name All-Stars regular season would end in June. The playing tournament playoffs start on June 28 and the finals end around August 21-23. So certainly a clash with the Olympics there if it is to go ahead. So that's the update. Uh, We will continue to keep everyone in the loop here, particularly because I understand, as I said from the top, this is a day where potentially you could uh, miss some updates with some other things on your mind. Certainly understandable uh, from that point of view. There's no doubt about that Uh, and let us know do you want basketball back on december 22 would you be fine if they waited till january 18 Uh, how are you feeling we know uh, a lot on bucks fans minds heading into the 2021 uh, season there's no doubt about that and Giannis, he's got to get his way back from greece he's still over there as far as we know uh on holidays over there and still uh, tweeting some stuff out 
on social media. Looks like he's having a pretty damn good time. As far as the salary cap goes, uh, still looking at the salary cap of 109 million and the tax at 132. We know there is implications on the bucks there. Uh, they are very tight up against certainly the tax number. It's going to be difficult uh, for them to make any real additions and not enter the tax. We have gone through the cap a little bit and we always do that when Frank's here. He is the cap expert. I do not pretend uh, to be a cap expert like him. Uh, I want to get on to now our list of questions. Before I do, I want to talk to you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever made. 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, uh, carrot cake among those and the 12 originals that you've heard me tell you about uh, uh, many times peanut butter banana bread mint brownie salted caramel among others i've had them all i've had them all i love it uh, the bars are covered in 100 percent chocolate they're soft and easy to chew uh, and they're great for you if you're if you're looking to stay healthy if you're looking to stay fit uh, this is the bar for you pre or post workout lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber the deal we have for you guys is also excellent go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Let's dive straight into the listener tweets, comments, questions right now. And I want to go to Max Sage. Now, I mentioned Max last week. He sent me a very, very long DM. And listen, you can do this anytime you want. For me, at Kane Pittman, you can get me. DM should be open there for you guys to get in contact with me. I certainly try and respond as quickly as possible. Uh, also, at Locked on Bucks. And we did have a tweet from... M-E-B, Meb, I'm not sure how you call it, at 6th and Juno. Uh, great address there. And by the way, I used to live off Juno as well. So that was my area when in Milwaukee, and it will be when I finally get to return. But uh, you asked, what is the Gmail account? So lockedonbucks at gmail.com. Uh, Frank has access to that. And if you send an email through, you want to get a little more expansive, you can do it via DM for sure. If you want to use more than 280 characters, certainly hit up the DMs or send through an email. So Max Sage sent through, a, uh, as I said, a lengthy postseason scenario. I've asked you guys, what would be a realistic postseason scenario that you want to get to? Uh, basically, the premise of what Max was looking at with the Bucks was uh, a, a big trade for Chris Paul, which we've discussed at length, of course. Uh, you guys, if you are joining us again, 
and you've missed some of the, the podcasts we've had, please go back. You'll see it. We spoke about Chris Paul, Victor Oladipo, Bogdan Bogdanovich, basically all the big names that have been uh, linked with the Bucks. We've spoke about them and we'll continue to do so. So don't be shy uh, to continue to get in contact. But the premise of this offseason was a big trade for CP3. Also a sign and trade, Brooke Lopez and Bogdan Bogdanovich with uh, the Sacramento Kings. We did have Matt George from Locked On Kings join us to talk about Bogey a little bit a few weeks ago, but one of the interesting things, and this is the point of this DM that I want to talk about. And and first of all, if you could make the upgrade of CP3 and Bogdanovich and have him in a starting lineup with Milton, Giannis, and a center, I've mentioned Aaron Baines in the past, whether it was Robin Lopez, whoever it may be, I think you could get excited about that and build your roster around the fringes with some guys that you would be able to add. At that point, you're looking at largely minimum deals uh, there's no doubt about that. But that would be a, a more dangerous offensive starting five. So I'm not against that. Can it happen? Do I think it's likely? Probably not. But I think the premise of the idea is certainly there. And there's certainly been guys that the Bucks have been linked to. The point of Max's tweet that I found really interesting was that he said Chris Paul would be a guy that in a playoff situation where potentially minutes are down and the rotations were a huge talking point going through the postseason. Chris Paul would be the guy that would say, bud, listen, this is the second round. This is an elimination game. This is a a critical point. We're about to go down in the series. These guys are playing 40 minutes tonight. You're not taking me off the floor. I found that an interesting point because one of the things I've said in the past is that potentially the Bucs are a little bit too nice. Now, they're super competitors. We know that. They, we know that they, they try and win every single game. And it's not to say that they don't have that competitive edge because there's no doubt they do. And I can tell you from being in the locker room, particularly with Giannis, when you see the Bucs lose any game, any regular season game, uh, he is devastated. He doesn't want to talk about it. He, you can tell that it hurts him. And this is in the regular season, not just the playoffs. So I'm not saying that the Bucs don't have competitors. But we've mentioned it before. Do the Bucks have that asshole in the locker room that's going to stand up and say, come on, fellas, it's time to go here. And they're going to push back a little bit against the coaches. And I think the Bucks certainly, as a franchise, and they've been open about this, they've brought a certain type of player into the locker room, generally guys that are well-respected, well-liked around the league, guys that will never cause any type of problems. Now, I know that there has been uh, sort of a reputation of Chris Paul that he can be a little testy at times, he can fight with his uh, teammates in stretches. Certainly, the relationship with James Harden wasn't great. But I, I have wondered myself if this Bucks locker room is missing that type of guy uh, that would continue to uh, not only push Giannis, he's a guy that generally pretty self-motivated, but he would push everyone else as well and really rally the troops in those situations where times are down. And that's why I thought it was fascinating with the report from Shams going back about a month ago now where it was reported that potentially the Bucks wouldn't com- want to combine or potentially Giannis wouldn't want to combine that competitive, fiery attitude that Giannis does have inside him with a guy like Chris Paul. But I have also wondered whether that would be a good thing for Giannis and a good thing for this locker room and certainly a guy that has put up a good playoff performances in his past, albeit not getting to the NBA Finals. So is, is that a possibility? How do people feel about that? I think that's certainly... An interesting point that was made there by Max Sage because we've spoke about the coaching staff a lot on this show over the last few weeks. Anil Saw, regular contributor to the podcast, regular comments uh, on Twitter, uh, email, whatever it may be. He asked about the draft coverage. So obviously 
uh, November 18, not too far away here, just a couple of weeks. And he asked whether uh, the Bucks would trade the pick or whether they could actually move up in the draft. Would there be any prospects that the Bucks would want to move up for? So uh, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a draft expert here. I'm certainly making inquiries to get a draft expert back on the show. We've had Chad Ford in the past uh, you know, contributed to the Lockdown Podcast Network with his big board podcast. Also, Sam Vecini, our friend uh, over at The Athletic, has been on the pod before. So we will have a draft episode coming up here. I'm not going to go into any prospects because uh, the reality is I, I'm not an expert in the draft. I do not think that the Bucks are in a position to move up in the draft at all because what are you going to trade? I don't think they have the assets to do so. Uh, and I'll also, just given the, the widespread reporting about this year's draft, that it's not exactly uh, the most exciting draft class that we've ever seen. I, I just don't think that this would be the year to go and do that. So my answer would be no. Could they trade the pick? Absolutely. That's a scenario we've discussed a lot, but do I think they would move up in the draft? Uh, no, uh, I do not. Uh, outside of some kind of major trade uh, with some key pieces that would bring back a draft pick, but I do not think the Bucks are in that type of mode now as a franchise to be looking to move up. And uh, one last shout out to uh, Justin Dvorak. And, and I don't know whether I've said that correctly, Justin Dvorak. And if I always say this, I can blame it on my Australian. If there's any uh, pronunciations that are wrong, I can, I can blame it on being Australian. But he tweeted the other day on, on another tweet that I saw. He tagged us in it. He said, best podcast in the business. Uh, we 100% uh, respect you and appreciate you guys that are listening. After the break, some numbers on the Bucks shooting that stand out to me as pointed out by our friend Old Resorter on Twitter. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, I am back here at Old Resorter, as I mentioned. Commented the other day when we were discussing or when I posed the question and uh, still looking for everyone else's answers on this, I posed the question and said, uh, we all talk about the Bucks needing ball handling creating. Uh, clearly, that is something that has been lacking in the postseason. I 100% agree with that. Clearly, another aspect of the Bucks' offense that has been missing is real shooting threats. So when I was going through the different possibilities for what the Bucks could do this offseason, I think you have to ask yourself, if you can only get one or the other, can the Bucks still improve without having what you would assume would be a perfect offseason? Because the chances of that occurring always slim you never get 100 what you want 
So old, old resorter said, real shooting threats versus ball handling slash creating. I think this is a topic that could be worth almost an hour-long session. Also, I might add real scoring threat via playmaking or making plays on one's own, which I think might be different than shooting or creating. That's a good point you do make. And I think that's why you know, even a guy like Victor Oladipo, who you know has been a bit slow to return, he obviously missed an extended period of time, by the time this next season starts, it will almost be two years uh, from that uh, horrific quad slash knee injury that he had. It'll be almost two years. But uh, as I mentioned uh, previously, he did show some improvements, particularly finishing around the rim. Oladipo at his best, around a 67% finisher at the rim during his All-Star 2017-2018 season. That dropped right down into the 40s when he first came back uh, last season. And then in the bubble, he had it back up to the mid-50s. So there's certainly some progress there. There's certainly some signs of a guy that was starting to get his confidence back at driving to the basket, driving through contact. So Oladipo, interesting option. A guy that could add some sort of diversity to the Bucks' offense, particularly in the half court. Chris Paul, we know, a fantastic pick and roll point guard. He always has been. But the reason I bring up the shooting, and, and this is something that we've spoke about a lot through the season as well, because I do think that it was bleedingly obvious. When you watch the Bucs, you had to be a little bit concerned that some of the guys that were jacking up the three-point shots uh, for Milwaukee during the season are potentially not the guys that you want taking uh, pressure shots in the postseason. I don't think that that is necessarily a big call or something that's that's harsh on some of these guys. This is something that uh, we spoke about last season after the postseason, that shooting let them down in the postseason. And uh, this year, it did it again. And if I look up and down the roster and I look at the three-point percentages of the guys in the teams, you talk about guys that are taking a high volume of shots. Brooke Lopez, we know this year up around 5 31%. Giannis, around 5 30% from three. And, and then, you know, even guys like Pat Connaughton in the low 30s, Bledsoe actually got up to 34% during the regular season, but not a guy you want to be relying on. Dante DiVincenzo around 33 as well. So a lot of guys that were very clearly below average shooting from three. Now, these are the numbers that you should be concerned about if you're a Bucks fan, if you don't make improvements to this on the roster next season. So during the regular season, the Bucks ranked fourth in three-point attempts at 38.9 per game. Fourth in three-point attempts, but they were 17th in three-point percentage at 35.6 per game. So fourth in attempts, 17th in three-point percentage. What about this number, though? Wide open three-point attempts per game, first during the regular season at 21.3 wide open threes per game, 27th in the league in wide open three-point percentage, 36.6. Roughly, that works out to shooting eight for 21 per game on wide open threes. Eight for 21. Not great. Not great numbers at all. And this is ultimately what came back to bite the Bucs in the postseason, particularly when it came to the second round series against Miami, which I'm going to touch on here. So in the postseason, the Bucs' three-point attempts per game came down 2.1. They were at 36.8 per game, still exactly 35.6. But that was the result of shooting better against Orlando in the first round. We saw the exact same trend last year. In the 2018-19 season, the Bucks' three-point percentage dropped with each series. Detroit, 
Every game is a blowout. The Bucs shot pretty well. It dropped in the second round against Boston and then plummeted against the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. This year against Miami, listen to these numbers. Wide open three-point attempts per game. The Bucs only got 10.4 wide open three-point attempts per game against Miami. That's minus 9.9, essentially 10 fewer wide open threes against Miami than they did in the regular season. Why did that happen? Because Miami, as we know, were built to defend the Bucs. Not just build a wall against Giannis, but switch one through five. Uh, multiple guys that were able to close out, stay attached to the Bucks shooters. So uh, not only did those three-point attempts, the wide-open ones, basically slice directly in half, even when Milwaukee got wide-open three-point attempts, they were shooting 28.8% on those, which is disastrous. That's minus 8% from where they did on the regular season in half the opportunities. In the second round, the next worst shooting team on wide open three-point attempts was Denver at 37.6, almost 10 percentage points higher. Every other team, we know shooting was up in the bubble. Every other team was 10 plus percent higher than the Bucks on wide open threes. And Miami, this won't surprise you, 15 wide open threes per game. So plus five in attempts. And they were shooting 45.6%, not far off 20% better on wide open threes. So the question mark for the Bucks is, and this is why the conversation that Old Resorter brings up is an interesting one, because you can look at this and say, well, goodness, uh, 28% on wide open threes. The Bucks do need real shooting. They do need real shooting threats. But these numbers, the fact that they only got 10 per game tells you that the Miami defense was actually pretty attached to the Bucks shooters, even if they weren't real threats, because they were able to get out to them because there wasn't a lot of creativity. There wasn't a lot of diversity in what the Bucks were doing. There wasn't a lot of people movement. There was a lot of driving and kicking because you can't get to the basket. So that's where the conversation around real shooting and creativity becomes interesting. And that's why maybe you would lean to a guy that can uh, move guys around a little bit, can be a threat in pick and roll. Uh, maybe you need other guys that are willing to work off the ball and shoot off the catch and shoot around screens and cut to the basket and do different things. That's where the whole offensive uh, scheme probably in the postseason needs to be uh, reworked here. But th these numbers are disastrous. And it's the second straight year that this has happened. So without being too much of a doomsday, uh, predictor here when it comes to the Bucks next season. That's why this next month for Milwaukee is so critical. And you can throw out a bunch of names. We've thrown them out. Danilo Gallinari is a shooter. JJ Redick is a guy that we've spoken about. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, another guy that shoots the ball pretty well from three. Buddy Heald as well as someone that we've mentioned. You can keep throwing them out there. Davis Bertans, another guy. All these shooters. And the reason why we've said this is because the three-point shooting has been disastrous in the postseason when the pressure has been on for the Bucs. But the problem is, if you just get good shooters out there, the numbers against Miami tell you against a good defensive team that can switch and they can do different things. And the coach, Nick Nurse, Eric Spolster, willing to try different things defensively is still going to be difficult if you don't get other actions moving on offense and the Bucs have failed to do that in the last couple of years. So I totally agree with Old Resorter. This is a conversation that can go on and on and on and on, but I appreciate uh, all of the interaction from our listeners. I am going to leave it here today. Uh, I hope uh, everyone finds uh, some sort of distraction from this podcast today. I know there's a lot going on. I always say this. I appreciate you guys contributing to the pod. Continue to do so. Uh, like I said, a draft pod will be coming up in some point here. We will keep you updated with all the news regarding 
the NBA season restart uh, and uh, and everything else that's going on with the Bucks. So for myself, Kane Pittman, as I said, you can get me at Kane Pittman on Twitter uh, at Locked On Bucks. Uh, follow us there and keep up to date with everything we are doing. Uh, please stay safe wherever you are in the world. I always focus on the US, but look at me. I'm in Australia. I know we've got other listeners in Australia and across the world. So stay safe. Uh, look after yourself. And I will be back tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.